0: Welcome to Yes, The Stripper Podcast, a podcast for all sex workers. On this podcast, we'll discuss how classifying each other as people and workers is dangerous to society and marginalized groups of people. We'll also talk about the climate in and outside of the clubs and all the amazing things us sex workers do. I'm so inspired and in awe with each and every one of you, and I'm always excited for what's going to be shared next. I'm your stripper queen from the north onyx and this is yes a stripper podcast welcome back to yes a stripper podcast i am your host onyx all the way from canada today i am so excited for the next guest you guys just just so you know i'm gonna be excited for every single guest that comes on because they're so interesting and i get excited meaning them we're gonna be just as floored um so honestly our guest is bonded, we and I bonded over um, the bullshit that's happening in all the strip clubs in Canada and actually a mutual friend of ours uh, brought us together and we've been pretty much joined at the hip ever since. Uh, so with that said, I love your energy. Um, you've got so much information. It makes my head explode in a good way. <laughs> That's what <laughs> I can hear. Forever. I always need each conversation feeling like I absorbed a lot. <laughs> so I'm okay. let me introduce to you all Samantha Knox. Tell us your pronouns and say hello to everyone.
1: Hello, happy Monday, everybody. Um, my name is Samantha Knox. I go by they, them, or she pronouns. Um, and I'm located in Ontario here in Canada. Um, I just recently relocated uh, to Toronto.
0: Nice. Nice. And just a question about your pronouns. You said she, they, and them. Why is it that you have she on there as well?
1: Uh, so I, I do identify more with like being femme. Um, I'm definitely, I was definitely always a kid that was like, I was called the tomboy a lot. Um, yeah. You know, I hung out with the boys and the adults and Yeah, I don't know. I just didn't really fit in with the mold. And in, you know, the last several years, like coming into like who I am as a human being and just meeting more people and like becoming more educated on like the language out there to help us understand the world we're living in. I believe that for me, being non-binary is what makes the most sense. But I definitely resonate with like the femininity that I have inside of me, like and the the. Yeah, I guess the sexuality of the feminine side—that's yeah. what I was <laughs> most. <right now. laughs> awesome, I love it.
0: Um, now I know we were going to talk about pretty much everything politics because today is Monday, the twentieth, and that's when we have gone to the polls to go vote. I went this morning to go vote. You went this morning to go I vote. Did.
1: Yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> Making small changes because honestly, there's not a lot we can control in this world, but. Hmm. Mm-hmm. At least we got out today and we go, went, put a ballot in a box. We put a
0: ballot. simple. Um, simple. But, yeah, but yeah, before we get into like, all the political jabber, I want you to tell all of us about all the activism work that you've been up to, um, the unions that you kind of want to create, and the things that you're dreaming about right now. Tell us in your own words what everything that you've been up to. Oh,
1: wow. Okay. Um. Okay. <laughs> well, I. I honestly want to first say that I don't necessarily think of myself as an activist. Um, I think that that term is something that I don't know, because then it comes into like the, the discourse of like people with disabilities who like may not be able to do frontline work. But anyways, let's just be clear. I, I, I try to do my best to do frontline work. Um, I started, working with safe space, which is a sex worker organization based in London. And that is where I would say I've gotten the majority of my in-person experience in regards to like what it is that some organizations and some groups are doing to kind of help the community like in person. Um, and I've now started to kind of get more involved with the backside of things in regards to, um, policy creation and stuff, just because I like efficiency in my brain. I know, just, like, your it. brain. I'm just like, how <laughs> do I do that? Short <laughs> amount of time, and where everybody is as safe as possible. Um, <laughs> but um, at the same time, that's been a whole learning curve in itself, and just kind of acknowledging that, like, organizing takes time. And, you know, to get it done right, we do have to really, like, kind of absorb um Mm -hmm. and make sure we're taking breaks because you know a lot of grassroots organizations enter things with like all the good intention in the world but when you get burnt out we do things that we might not do when we're feeling happier so Mm -hmm. it's important to take time and I think that for me because I already do in-person work as a worker that being able to transition to doing more like policy creation and like work that I can do online to support the community, um, and get the community connected more is, is important to me so that I'm making sure I'm not burning out and getting like compassion fatigue because it sucks to like interact with somebody and have that interaction, like make me feel sour towards the work I'm doing. Like (laughs) I, I don't like those experiences and so I'm just trying to find a little bit more peace um <laughs> not be so argumentative, maybe. but you know just acknowledging that everybody's perspective is different and that like You know, we we have a lot more like-minded goals than we might think. So Mm -hmm. I've been connecting with other organizations and trying to kind of see like where we can all best support each other. Um, And so with that, I got involved with SWIM, which is a sex worker industrial movement um, that is a campaign through SETAC which is a freelancer organization based out of Montreal. I cannot remember the acronym for the life of me. I just think SETAC is the coolest little <laughs> anagram, But And they're a uh, part of the IWW, which I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they're a, a quite old um, union. And they were actually legal in Canada for many, many years. Yeah, I believe it was... Hold on, let me do a quick Google. Yeah. But I want to say... When was the IWW allowed back? (laughs) Is the IWW still legal in Canada? Okay. Uh, Declared illegal in Canada. So basically when we had like the socialist movement and then like the government's attempt to like eradicate that and like literally put so people that, um, were socialists or identified as socialists or identified with socialism into encampments, um, into labor encampments. And so it was illegal to be part of unions, um, like labor movements historically have been pretty violent. Um, the government doesn't like them. They don't like when people get together and go, this shit's not fucking working. (laughs) we need more we need better we deserve better and why are we all here the millions of us suffering while a handful of people profit so uh yeah 1918 it was made illegal and I think it was 1996 that they were allowed I don't know but point is, is it was illegal to basically organize as a workforce and swim is a sex worker union campaign. Um, ideally it will develop, um, as, as we grow into Mm -hmm. a independent union rather than a campaign through such act. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. Um, and then I also have recently started doing some work with the Maggie's Legal Committee. Um, awesome! Yeah. So, yeah. but I'm not, like s- so whew, I'm just having yeah. to catch up. I need to meet some people and chit chat and just like get myself oriented into what's going on because there's just so many different projects and I have. To- so many ideas um, yeah. <laughs> but then like communicating those ideas with other human beings requires like interactions and time yeah. and that yeah. that requires organizing and blending people's schedules and you know that's just chaos so yeah i think you may need to clone yourself <laughs> yeah <laughs> we might be there i don't know it's already <laughs> feeling a little dystopian but oh gosh let and me know well... if you find a good link <laughs> <laughs>
0: I just want to go back to uh, Maggie's. They are unionized now. Yeah, I did see that. I actually
1: would love to chat with them about um, their like process into that um, because that's like within their work. Yeah, like within their hired staff and their board, um, to my understanding. So whereas Swim is a union for sex workers specifically, Mm -hmm. um, rather than. like not necessarily everyone that's doing uh work in providing services to folks is necessarily a sex worker we do have a lot of allies mm-hmm. um so in that i think it's important that we make sure that like paid roles and like volunteer positions are protected within like labor rights mm-hmm. and within their specific the context of those specific roles but then at the same time like it's so different and so diverse when it comes to our work
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, so amazing. Such a good Monday today.
1: Happy Monday.
0: (laughs) I know. Right. Um, okay. So I wanted to know, well, I already know this, but for the rest of folks that are listening, what kind of sex work that are you involved in?
1: So I originally started, um, like when I fully entered the industry, I had dabbled a little bit with some online sugaring stuff, which is just (laughs) ha ha (laughs) ha ha danger. Um, people trying to take advantage of civilians who don't know any better. Um, and so then I got, um, involved with stripping and I loved it, quit my job, uh, then had a roommate tell me that I couldn't just be a stripper, that I had to get a real job. Mm. And so I started working at a bar because of somebody who was actually, uh, working with me as a stripper at the time. And they... I don't know, there was just like a complex there. They said a lot of things that were just like, as I learned and like edu- got, became more educated on the industry, I was just like, that was really shitty of you to right. say. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so yeah, and then I eventually quit uh, that other job because I was just exhausted, um, continued dancing, still was exhausted. Um, mm-hmm. And I also was doing online work fairly soon after that um i started around the time of the s- premium snapchat right before the only fans uh stuff kind of took off i um actually uh joined only fans when they had a 20 percent um oh was actually a 10 percent um cut that they took rather than a 20%. Um, Nobody knew who the fuck they were. Um, I think Fancentra was the more popular service at the time because they were capitalizing on the fact that um, people were doing subscription-based services through Snapchat, Mm -hmm. and they created a way to kind of streamline that. I had a really awful experience with them and ended up uh, finding OnlyFans as a platform, transitioned to there, um, I have been on a couple other platforms, um, many vids, AVN stars, uh, AP clips and, uh, all over, nice, <laughs> um, <nice. laughs> I don't need to list them all off. Cause I'm so inactive and they're just not really relevant, but you can find them <laughs> on my website. Um, and yeah. And then I also, uh, had a lot of content um, that I was uploading basically to drive traffic on Pornhub prior to um, that whole Pornhub lawsuit fiasco. And yeah, I just, uh, most of my stuff is in one place right now, you know, the good old lonely plans. And um, yeah. And then I also was like kind of tentatively getting involved in um, more mainstream porn. I was like working with some performers and yeah, and then I got deported. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> um, I don't
0: know, you know? this story.
1: <laughs> oh, you didn't? No. I thought we talked about this one. get right. <laughs> okay, close. So I was on my way to the the AVN Awards uh, yes. to go shoot some dirty, dirty, oh, naughty, naughty you, things. And before, um, argument, before you continue, tell us what the
0: AVN Awards are.
1: avian awards is a award show for mainstream porn production companies um and performers um but it's also a convention where a lot of like um different adult entertainment companies will basically conglomerate um you could see some of your favorite porn stars there um there's different events when i attended a couple years back um I, I went as a, a model, as a cam model, um, cause I was on, um, many vids and MFC at the time mm-hmm. and yeah, that was fun. Um, met some really cool people there. That was when I was like getting more involved in production stuff and working with some super cool peeps, such as like Wolf Hudson. Um, and yeah, and then I was trying to return, And I had traveled a couple of times before that um, to Florida because my girlfriend was living there and I was hoping to buy some property there with her. And um, yeah, it just didn't really pan out like that because they, they uh, called me into secondary when I arrived in Las Vegas and we're like, yeah, so we're going to take you to the back here with uh, some officers. And uh, if you want to give us your phone, that's cool. If not, you're going to jail. And I was like, all right, cool. I comply. I'm just doing whatever. And, you know, did my very best (laughs) to like to protect myself, but it's, it's scary and intimidating to be interrogated by Homeland security officers while you're trying to, you know, get to some homies. And, you know, like the one crazy question was, Oh, well, if you're not here for work, why are you going to talent testing? And I was like, well, because I'm coming to film trade content with somebody who works in the industry here who would be blacklisted from doing mainstream productions if they worked with somebody who wasn't tested in the same like in the same health system. Mm -hmm. So and he was like, oh. Oh, okay. And I was like, yeah, you just thought, I'm sorry. I thought you were so smart there, Brian, huh? Um, <laughs> but it was interesting to think that these officers are actually kind of educating themselves a little bit or like from what they know from their own consumption of, mm-hmm. of sex work. Um, and yeah. And so then I had always kind of had a couple like clients that I had seen here and there from the strip club, you know, some sugaring like arrangements and then, um, yeah. I was like, well, I like to fuck. Um, I don't really love how I always feel like I'm giving the best experience and performance of my life and how often <laughs> I don't come out of it feeling like I benefited at all. Just give me money so, for it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, and, uh, yeah, I, started venturing more into, um, escorting and yeah, I don't really have any hope that I will get back into America since they hate us. Um, you know, whether or not I decide that I'm going to go there for work or not, they don't care. Um, they will just ban you regardless. Even if you're a dancer, if they believe that you're going there to dance or anything, there's a risk of you being banned. Um, same with like Americans coming to Canada or us going to the UK or us going to New Zealand, like um, Sia from Stripped by Sia, um, when we did a little chit chat recently, brought that up um, Mm -hmm. in regards to New Zealand and that sex work is decriminalized um, there. So even in, 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 in regards to migration, like if sex work is still heavily policed um when you're traveling um and it doesn't really matter necessarily like you can go to any country if you're a lawyer right. nobody's going to assume you're practicing law or if, if photographers are welcome to go you know but yeah. sex workers are restricted um in their movement in that capacity so yeah um and now here i am I'm having a great old time um, I'm doing more productions I'm enjoying it I've had some really positive experiences and interactions with uh, other people in the industry with other organizations um, and then some negative ones as well and mm-hmm. I'm just kind of taking it all in stride and like learning like how best to c- kind of just continue on forward and do what I want to do which is just make everything as efficient and safe as possible
0: Efficient and safe yeah I gotcha yeah. I hear you um now just to add on I wanted to know how you deal with harassment from friends people that are close to you that were pretty much giving you that virgin horror complex and then also harassment from clients how do you oh deal yeah with
1: um I wouldn't say that I have any clients that harass me honestly because I am very particular I would say um, or at least I just, I, I am somebody who's experienced a lot of sexual trauma. And in that, and part of my healing has been like asserting my boundaries. And I still struggle with that within my interpersonal, um, personal relationships. But in regards to my work, it has become a lot more easy as I have like learned how to run my business as a business. Um, and like, as much as like human interaction is so fucking important. Um, my compassion only extends so far. If you're going to treat me like a fucking animal, then you're going to get, you're going to get the fire that is in my chest, son. So, you know, but I've been trying to be a little bit more, uh, patient, I think, um, in like, understanding that some people's like assumptions and errors are things that they've been taught and that I mm-hmm. have an opportunity to like kind of teach them. Um, and so I don't know, I've, I've, I've experienced, I think a significant amount of online harassment and, in like showing that to people that follow me and like posting it to my stories and stuff. I've gotten like feedback from people that like makes me like really wonder like how other people experience the world, because if they're so shocked and appalled that I'm experiencing this and like the things that they're shocked and appalled about are maybe Mm -hmm. one interaction out of a hundred that I'm experiencing. It's just like, Okay, cool. And then I think about the factors. I'm like, why? Why that is? Is it because of my presence on the internet? Is it because I'm a sex worker? Is it because I present as, you know, a a certain way and not in a victim-blaming way, but in like an analytical, like what are the things that might increase my likelihood of being targeted and harassed? Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that when I lash back out with like, yo, fuck you, you stupid. When I swear and I get, more aggressive in my response even though that's justified half yeah. the time um people like feel like that's extremely confrontational mm-hmm. and they're not receptive to it mm-hmm. and so I've just started <laughs> yeah I <I'm> just started <laughs> kind of changing that up a bit you know <laughs> just, just like making them feel I think like I don't like that I make them feel shame just be like, I just want you to really think about what you just said. Um, I'm just going to say it back to you. And can you answer the question for me yourself? And just pose questions instead of, of explaining why I'm angry. Because when I explain why I'm angry or yeah. why it's fucked up, I find that people just don't listen because I get like, do you know that's super fucked up, right? And they're like, why is Sam mad at me? <laughs> <laughs> so. It's not really, it's not really great. Um, but I'm working on it. I get a lot of really violent messages as well, which is just like I don't even really know how to mm-hmm. navigate that. Right? There's no protection for us on the internet. Um, you know, as workers, right. as sex workers, there's no protection. Um, if I report somebody saying something in my DMs, I could, I could have my account reviewed. And I risk my account getting deleted just because I'm reporting somebody harassing me. So, Your account I have been, it
0: too.
1: Yeah. And it's like at the same time, I'm the kind of person that's like, no, like, I want justice. I would like to see this person get in trouble for sending me an unsolicited fucking dick pic. But, yeah.
0: And then I'm like,
1: well, do I want to risk my account? Do I really want to stick it to the man that hard? Like, am I really that fucking mad about this dick pic? Yeah, I am. It's fucking gross. It's deplorable. Mm-hmm. But is it the worst thing that happened to me today? Sadly, probably not. <laughs> so, I mean, helpfully though, honestly. But, yeah, I don't know. I think online... The The online scope of things is scary, too, because then you have, like, laws like SESTA-FOSTA and, like, the proposed CISIA in the states that are, like, a fake-ass attempt to, like, mitigate the scariness of the internet mm-hmm. um, that are just, like, presented in this pretty little package of saving the children and stopping <laughs> sex trafficking. And it's like, okay, well, maybe if we dived into, you know, the core issues of all those things like poverty and such then we wouldn't be here but alas
0: (laughs) awesome i love it um a a little bit of the (laughs) canadian version of sesta fossa is it called sesta fossa what is the name of it up uh
1: so we have bill 251 here in ontario that was passed by the conservative government uh run by Doug Ford, <laughs> um, and basically the bill. So the bill is is pretty much another anti-trafficking bill, um, a, a, a stopping sex trafficking and child trafficking. But what it does is it conflates human trafficking with sex trafficking so that ignores the fact that the majority of human trafficking is not actually taking place in the sex industry it's taking place in agriculture and hospitality and the trades and then also in the sex industry Mm -hmm. and when we ignore that there are all these other people experiencing these types of exploitation then we're not actively helping anybody so it's just another dressed up like an uh, abolitionist anti sex worker movement bill that sounds really really good to everybody and when presented you know to a bunch of politicians who don't want to actually like listen to what sex workers have to say then they pass their vote based on misinformation based on lack of information and based on their desire to stop human trafficking and save the children, which I absolutely, um, for a hundred percent, duh. But you know, when we ignore that there are sex workers that have been trafficked, um, that have gone back to in interactions with people that would be considered pimps, or when we don't consider the fact that a lot of relationships, um, can be exploitative financially. And that's ex- extremely um, common in sex worker relationships because of our lack of resources in other aspects of life, lack of ability to like leave an abusive partner, like limited housing options. Um, and now, nowadays, you can't even get housing um, unless you have a good credit score and you have proof of employment. And there are sex workers that that don't know how to file their taxes that don't have access to like the resources that other (laughs) businesses have access to. And then, yeah, bills like this bill that are basically making it so that the police can, this bill gives police unfettered access to any place they perceive or believe to be um, having sex trafficking Mm -hmm. happening or sex work cuz they're conflating the two. And so that means that they're going to most likely increase surveillance around um spaces like Airbnbs and hotels. Um the bill is s- basically supposed to have all businesses like that um keeping records like stringent records similar to like having like your stuff written down for COVID measures right now, Mm. except they'll require your ID. So, Mm. you know, we have all these people right now who are so fucking enraged by these vaccine passports, but there's nobody saying anything about the surveillance that's happening on sex workers. Um, And that was just a bill that was passed in Ontario, but you know, if this election ends up being, it won't be, just saying it, a conservative (laughs) election, (laughs) fucking won't be. It won't be. It will not be. Send it <laughs> to the universe that it won't be. It can't be. Um, well, then, close. you it's know, close. that's something that they could propose across Canada. And the fact that the Canadian Alliance for Sex Worker Law Reform right now is in court basically appealing certain aspects of um bill c36 um it would be low key a perfect time for the conservatives and other abolitionist organizations to make a move against the current legislation themselves and push to have more of our rights taken away mm-hmm. under the guise of it being um you know to protect us from human trafficking um, and then bringing back right to what I said about the boyfriends thing, there's li- like, literally one of the most well-known trafficking organizations in North America is in the Maritimes, in Halifax, and the, their structure for how they traffic women is to pretend that they're dating them. <laughs> and then be like, baby girl, let's go. I'm going to take you to the strip clubs out in Ontario. We're going to go. And then they get them here to a province they've never been to in a city that they don't know with no money and no way to live in this city unless you have money. And then they have them. Yeah. And that is the story of a lot of people. And it's like. If. If she had the resources and supports or they had the resources and supports ahead of time or the education to know that these types of organizations move like that, you might not end up in that situation. That's Mm -hmm. what we would hope, right? Education leads to a reduction in like things that we can prevent. It's harm reduction. Mm -hmm.
0: That's awesome. Um, I was listening to an interview with Kalichi Okafor and GB News in the UK And they were speaking about decriminalizing sex work, which is what we want here in Canada. She goes on telling the interviewer that people combine and confuse sex trafficking with sex work, which is what you've been saying, and criminalizing it, in this case, what our Conservative Party believes in, protects sex workers from sex trafficking. How false is that? And how do we change that kind of narrative?
1: Okay. (laughs) So I like to use the... Comparison to the way that cannabis has been legalized here in Canada is to kind of explain to people why legalization is not always the right option. Mm-hmm. Um, legalizing something doesn't decriminalize it, it means that there are still laws or regulations in place that could result in you being fined or charged for certain types of behaviors within the context of that law. Mm-hmm. So Legalization in regards to cannabis means right now, if you were to be charged with selling cannabis, you would serve more time than if you were to be charged for selling mushrooms. Despite the fact that mushrooms are still considered illegal here, they're a different schedule drug and are considered less um less bad, I guess, than, Mm -hmm. um, cannabis is. So despite the fact that cannabis is legal here, in many contexts, it is not legal. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you can't have more than the allotted amount of plants. You can't have more, there are regulations on it, um, and still means in which the government can make money off of criminalizing it. So And then you look at the way the industry in itself has been started off the backs of certain laborers. You know, there are people that have been doing cannabis production for generations in their family prior to legalization in Canada. And do you think most of them got like, a bid into like the industry? No, because right. a lot of they weren't legally operating for so long. So then it's a lot harder to invest into things and make things more legitimate. And I I, I think the same can be applied to our industry because, you know, we've been forced to operate on the shadows for so long. We have public perception that we don't pay taxes and that we are, you know, not uh, contributing to society that we you know, the perception is often that we're dirty, you know, most people, when they hear the word hooker have a very particular, you know, Hollywood (laughs) image in their head of what has been displayed to them. And, you know, and then it's a lot harder to empathize with people that you don't know. And when, you know, we've been operating in the shadows, not everybody's out not everybody talks about this, you know, I think in the last, you know, decade or so with the evolution of the internet and us being able to connect like this we're now being able to like have these discussions with people and educate people but you know it's a slow-moving process and the people in power the people who have for generations wanted us to be in the shadows are still there very vehemently fighting against us so it it is really important for us to like I think talk about why we need what we need because Mm -hmm. people don't understand it, And so you can have well-intentioned humans, like doctors or lawyers that are saying, yes, we want legalization. Yay. But they've never actually spoken to a sex worker. And then you might have sex workers who have never been exposed to this type of conversation that they don't know anything about the legislation. Do you know how many people I know who still think that, um, that it's completely criminalized in Canada to, to, to book escorting services? Yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's ag- You can actually get a license in the prairies. Yeah. You have to have a license in the prairies.
0: Wow, well, it's amazing. All right, so now let's get to this political chat, shall we? So in Canada, <laughs> so folks in the US and everyone everywhere listening other than here understand what's happening. We have five political parties in the running, liberal, conservatives, new democratic, uh, Green Party, and Black Quebec Quebecois, each with overlapping goals and some with distinct differences. But the real question is, which one of these parties are going to back the sex workers in Canada? Which one do you think?
1: Is that my opinion?
0: Yeah. Okay, so in
1: my opinion, none of them. <laughs> but if I were to pick a party, I would pick the party that has made the statement that I have the most faith in, and that would be the statement that jagmeet made in regards to his beliefs on decriminalization there's a really good clip somewhere out there from i think probably three or four years ago at this point Mm -hmm. um just at the beginning of his like step into federal politics where he was asked a question uh, by something i believe was involved with maggie's i'm not certain um and the way he articulated himself was it, he had an answer. He had educated himself enough to be prepared for those questions. And that could just be because he is somebody who could be considered a more socialistically leaning politician, you know, a more communist like politician who believes in like the power being within the people and that we need to be caring for the people, you know? Mm. Um, So I don't necessarily believe that his statement means that he is going to actually fight for us in the way that we need to be. I don't think that that means we're getting the representation that we need because there's two people of the NDP party that have actively made statements, can't remember their names right now, but have actively made statements that were anti-sex work rhetoric and that you know, just because there's a couple people within the party that might have certain views doesn't mean that that is what the party goals are. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and as we know, with politics, there's only so much people can get accomplished in a short, you know, four year period of time. Um, so I, I voted NDP wholeheartedly. I voted NDP this year. I voted NDP in the last election. And I think that for the sake of this country, we need something different. We need something new. Um, We don't need some fake feminist fuck riding off the coattails of his daddy out here taking zero accountability. We definitely don't need the same people that have been doing this shit for time and time again. Yeah. You know, we need people that are looking out for the working class because the only reason that the upper class and the one percenters have money is because of the working class. And here we are rolling it back into why I think it's so important for sex workers to educate themselves on what resources there are available and like things like unions and what that looks like for us and what that could mean for our industry. Um, You know, there are pros and cons to every, movement. And we just have to have conversations about what our needs are. Um, And I think those conversations need to be had with politicians as well. Um, Mm -hmm. But that requires us taking the risk of exposing ourselves to those people Mm -hmm. um, that don't always have good intentions. So um, if you're going to vote for anybody, that's probably most uh, pro sex work in this country, it would be the NDP. But you know, they're also in power in BC right now and the RCMP out there need a whole lot of whole lot of whole lot of Jesus or something. I'm say I was gonna <laughs> some Jesus. We need some Jesus. <laughs> yeah. um,
0: so. the, um the MP you were talking about, I think, is Laurel Collins. She was asked by the Alberta MP to consider I'm sorry, she asked the Alberta MP to consider listening to the voices of sex workers. I was like, yes, little
1: Collins. Oh, heck yeah! I definitely saw that. But no, there's two uh, individuals that are part of the NDP caucus that are that that believe in the Nordic model and actually would push for decriminalization. They're very much the kind of people that believe that. Um, it's like the feminists, it's the turfy, swirky feminists. It's the people that believe that, uh, sexualizing women is, is exploitative in general and, and don't want to acknowledge the fact that in a capitalistic society, the yeah. most feminist thing I could probably do is take mm-hmm. absolute control over my sex and sexuality. Yes. Whatever that looks like for me. So it's, it's interesting to see though, how people can belong to a, the same party and then have such different beliefs.
0: It's time for some rapid fire Q and a let's begin the four for one. If you could live anywhere, where would it be? Costa Rica. Nice. Yeah. I like Costa Rica. Why do you like Costa Rica so much?
1: Um, I don't know. I just went there when I was a child and, uh, I, I, I love the ocean and I almost died in the ocean there, but I also, it was <laughs> the most, inv- most, invigorating thing that ever happened to me. So
0: nice, nice.
1: I think it just calls to my spirit sometimes.
0: What motivates you to work really hard?
1: I want to have a dog rescue so that my dad can retire on a farm surrounded by a bunch of dogs.
0: That's amazing. I love that. Would be yeah, tough, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Um, what is your proudest accomplishment?
1: Um, wow, well, I think the fact that I kept my dog Milo long, alive for so long. Um, he was given, uh, he was given six months to live when he was nine weeks old and, uh, we just put him down this past January. And I think that that just like, I think sex work afforded me that. Cause I would not have been able to afford his medical bills. I don't mm-hmm. think I would have been able to have given him the quality of life he deserves. And yeah, that's my proudest accomplishment thus far. And also that I am not dead yet. <laughs> yes,
0: that's amazing. Those are both good. Yeah, <laughs> it's good
1: to be alive.
0: <laughs> okay, do you know how to do, um, what's it called? Um, marry, kill, sleep with? So I'm going to give you yes. three characters. They're all Johnny Duck characters. Oh, uh, okay. Which, <laughs> which would you marry, kill, or sleep with? Uh, Captain Jack Sparrow, really did he play Willy Wonka? No. Yeah.
1: Captain,
0: yeah. Captain yeah. I Jack, did. Captain Jack Sparrow, Willy Wonka, and Edward Scissorhands.
1: Oh gosh. All yeah. right. Listen, <laughs> I would kill Captain Jack Sparrow just to say that I killed Captain Jack Sparrow. I would marry Edward Scissorhands because that man needs somebody to love him. And Willie Wonka, I would fuck because he would have a very, very fun time. We would have a fun time in that chocolate factory in, in a in a X rated kind of way. Uh. And it is not the same facility as any children need to adventure in. So just to make that very clear, it would be a hundred percent adult themed playground. <laughs> I love it. That. Oh, it's awesome.
0: Get your notepads handy. It's time for some sex worker advice
1: technically me giving out advice is is uh, it could be considered as, as human trafficking but <laughs> i will say that sex workers work like any other type of work under capitalism we all have to get out there and hustle in one way or another to make sure that our needs are met and the thing is is society isn't perfect people are mean Mm -hmm. And you have to do what's best for you at the end of the day. Um, Connect with people. And I don't know. You just got to be careful with the kinds of people you're connecting with. Because we are all the walking wounded. And not everybody that you meet is going to have your best intentions in mind. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And uh, men ain't shit.
0: I also wanted to ask, like, when did you ever start like your massive research? Because did you go, did you have education in your back pocket,
1: or were you just thrown into books and you just learned on your own? Um, I think that for me, like, I've always just liked to consume knowledge. Like, I've always been somebody that likes random facts, and so when it comes to something I'm passionate about, it's easier for my like my brain to retain the information and have that ability to pull it from my long-term memory um, because I'm, I'm, I have this fire about it. So I think that the, the reason I've been able to like accumulate and remember and store so much information around the industry is because it's something that I'm passionate about and I want to learn more about because I know that in learning more about it, like all we can do is like grow from there. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, honestly, I think it's just my ADHD. (laughs) I get that. I get that. Yeah. So hard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, do you want to drop and plug anything where we can find you all that information, all that stuff?
1: Yeah. Um. Give me one second. I would actually. Uh, do you mind if I take a moment just to address something regarding sure. the uh kind of the election and something that happened recently?
0: Oh yes, for I'm, sure. I can
1: wrap it real quick and we can link the uh, link the article. But uh, just oh. so y'all know, <clears throat> the <clears throat> uh, Liberal Party just had another party member. They actually removed him from the caucus. Uh, Kevin Vuong, who was um recently put into the position of the fort york spadina liberal riding um he has been removed from the party because of allegations and charges of sexual assault from 2019 that and i'm just going to say it uh, that he covered the fuck up um and he's now under review by the um by the um, Canadian military, um, for other allegations of sexual assault and misconduct. I oh. mean, um, he, he's also currently, um, being sued by a woman of color for stealing, uh, from her, um, basically they were in business together and him and his other male business partner are saying that she was never involved in the capacity that she is saying she was in. Oh. Um, so yeah. Um, and yeah. I am actually very close with the victim of this, um, this incident. And I just wanted to spread the word because, you know, I don't think that men should get away with abusing people because they're in positions of power. And that's kind of the root of all that is evil in this industry, that there are men in positions of power that know that we don't know where to go and that most of the time people don't believe us Mm -hmm. and people especially don't believe us when we're victims of abuse and assault like that. So, uh, fuck Kevin Vuong, uh, (laughs) that man (laughs) can rot (laughs) and good fucking riddance. Um, I believe in restorative justice, but he turned that shit down and um, tried to cover up a case of assault and, um, yeah, that's that on that. Uh, you can find me. Um, you can find me on the internet. Um, my current main Instagram is Samantha Knox with two X's, K N O X X official. Um, and then um, my links should be available there. But if not, my website is samanthanox.com, and I will be updating that shortly. I have. A plan to put everything in one location i will have a space for links and research and other such stuff as well so that when i reference things people can just more easily find it um so yeah thank you so much for having me today
0: oh thank you so much this is absolutely a treat i'm glad i got to share you with everyone
1: yeah honestly i but i would like to say i would love to i would love to connect you know just the two of us have some coffee and you know figure out our plan to take over the world yes pinky in the brain style yeah (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly
0: Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, before I log off, I'd just like to tell all our listeners that this is now a listener funded podcast. So definitely head on over to yes, a to our lovely website. Look for those donation buttons because if you like what you're listening to right now, we could definitely use those tips and donations to further support our guests that come onto the show and obviously pay the host.
1: <laughs> Heck yeah. I just yeah. want to offer with that as well. If you show proof of a donation of a minimum of, $25 to the yes, a stripper podcast, you will get a one week free trial to my dirty, dirty VIP page. Ooh,
0: thank you very much.
1: <laughs> You're welcome.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll see all of you next week. Well, four weeks. Well, but you'll see someone else next week, but you'll see me again in four weeks with that. Bye. Everyone. Bye. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Thanks for listening. Everyone. This episode has been a production with period podcast network. Find out more on Instagram at period podcast network. Be sure to follow us on Instagram too at yes, a stripper podcast. And you can find us on Twitter at yes, a stripper pod. Please like subscribe and rate. Yes, a stripper podcast here on YouTube. See you next week.